Now, it's reckoned that each day, it's recommended that we take a certain amount of steps. And, um, and they reckon the amount of steps can help to prolong your life, which is quite interesting. And I'll let you know how many they are in a moment. Now, mentioned to our church, I'm a person that's really behind the times of technology, so it's only the start of this year that I got a Fitbit, only at the start of the year. Now, many of you kind of, how many of you have worn a Fitbit? How many of you have had one and used one and stuff like that? Okay. Well, mine, throughout the day, sends me some messages to say how many steps I still need to do in that hour. And, and that's done really sensitively, isn't it? Because really what he's saying is, you're being lazy, mate. You've been sitting for too long. Before the hour's up, you should get up and go and do some steps. That's really what it's saying. And I get that message quite a lot, to be honest with you. Now, they reckon for those under 60s, how many of you are under 60 here? There you go. How many of you? No, I'm not going to do that. So, they reckon that you, if you're under 60, you should walk between eight and 10,000 steps per day, and it kind of will prolong your life. And uh, over 60s, if you could do 6 to 10, 8,000, then that's pretty good. In your lifetime, an average person will do 216,262,500 steps. That's a few steps. That's 115,000 miles, which is walking more than four times around Selyoak, the world. <laughs> now, this time, I don't know about you, when I've been on my latest long walk with Wendy and my son... There's times when I feel as if I've taken my last step. <laughs> that is it. And then there's sometimes when you've got a big project or initiative that you need to engage in, and you think, how on earth are going to do this? And the thing is, you've just got to take the first step. You've got to take that first step. So throughout history, there's been some big achievements with mankind and some big steps. So in 1953, Everest was... Well, conquered. And Edmund Hillary and Tenzing, uh, a Sherpa, they took that 1953, and the, the day of the Queen's coronation, wasn't it? Took that, that step. Then in 1969, there was also a really well-known step being taken by a guy called Neil Armstrong. And Wendy tells me that her parents got her out of bed for that early hours of the morning, to watch that, she still uh, remembers it. I mean, imagine if he'd not taken that step. I mean, for him personally, that would have been incredible. So some steps, out of all the hundreds of thousands or millions, some are more significant than others. And today for uh, Stephen and Abby, it might seem kind of one small step into a pool, but it signifies potentially the greatest step they've ever taken within their lives. And the significance, in a sense, is out of this world, but greatly impacts their lives within this world because it signifies this, this big gap being closed or this big barrier being closed down. Now, many of you know Wendy, uh, my wife here, she teaches physics, she has for uh, a long time, and 
Way back in 2009, it's funny saying way back in 2009, isn't it? Way back in 2009, she had this kind of new title. She became the advanced leader practitioner in physics in our house. I thought she should have that title. No, it was a national, it was a national uh, position. And she got this big budget for it. Didn't benefit me, but she gets this big budget for it. And she was allowed to bring these science specialists to the northeast, uh, uh, our part of the northeast, to bless children. And she linked in with an organization, let's see if I can get it right, um, the International Space School Education Trust. Deserves a long title, doesn't it? The International Space School Education Trust, where she could invite, um, if they're in the country anyway, astronauts to the northeast of England. And there's a few astronauts came. And one of them was called Commander Charlie Bolden. Now, you may or may not have heard that name, but after he came to the Northeast, a few years later, he went on to be the head of NASA. When he came to us, he only, he only flew a space shuttle. That was it. It was later that he became the head of NASA. I remember that we had a trip with our kids to New York, and um, we're in the car in the taxi going from the airport to the uh, hotel, and it came on the radio that they'd appointed a new head of NASA and it was Commander Charlie Bolden. So all four of us cheered that this guy become head of NASA, and we kind of knew him. We were like that with Charlie. I called him Charlie, actually. I called him Charlie. And, um, and we just cheered in the car. The taxi driver didn't know what to do. What is going on here? So when Charlie Bolden comes to the northeast of England... He went into different schools. They did an event at the Newcastle City Hall for um, the different schools. Wendy was interviewed on local TV. Very impressive. And then they had this special meal in this hotel called the Malmaison Hotel in the centre of Newcastle. So the head teacher was invited. The deputy head was invited. Wendy was invited, of course, because she organised it. Charlie was there with another astronaut. And I was invited because I was Wendy's husband. So, I thought, a meal with head teachers and scientists. There you go. What am I going to talk about? So, it's interesting, because I thought Charlie Bolden would want to sit next to the head teacher. No. Would want to sit the deputy head. No. The other scientist, no. He wanted to sit next to me. That sounded so condescending. <laughs> that, oh. <laughs> anyway. So he wanted to sit next to me. And I wasn't too sure why. Because, and I was a bit nervous because I thought, I don't know anything about space or science. Or, but he just wanted to talk about faith. He just wanted to talk about his faith. He wanted me to know that he was a Christian. And I sat and we started to talk. And I said, Charlie, me and Charlie, Charlie... <laughs> I did say, I said, um, answer me this question. When I was at Barber College, Buzz Aldrin came and shared his testimony. Now, Buzz Aldrin was the second man who ever stepped onto the moon. I don't know if you know that. 
He's not related to Buzz Lightyear. He's just, he's not. And I said, I said, Charlie, I said, I heard the testimony of, of Buzz Aldrin, whose testimony was that he went out into space, looked back on earth, and thought there must be a God. And while he was in space, becomes a Christian. That's amazing, isn't it? Becomes a Christian. I says, is that indicative of people who go into space? He says, do you know there's loads of us that are Christians? Loads of us that are Christians. And our faith is so boosted by what we look back and see. And he talked about Romans chapter 1, verse 28. It says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, been understood by what has been made so that men are without excuse in believing that God is there. Now, the race to the moon, we were talking about Neil Armstrong, wasn't we? It began in 1960. I don't know if you knew that. It began in 1960. The Soviet Union and the Americans wanted a race to the moon. Now, that is quite a race. And it seemed to be impossible that this was never going to happen. Totally unreachable. Yet on that day in 1969, the moon was no longer this just distant ball of light which seemed unreachable. Now throughout history, people have also dreamt of a bigger achievement and that is to connect with God, to somehow reach God and connect with him. Something that people could only realistically dream about. And when I was younger, I had many dreams, often to do with sport. But I liked the thought that somehow I could connect with God at some time, but it just felt as if that would never happen. He was either too far away, or the barrier between me and him was just too strong. I had no doubt that he was there. Now, for thousands of years, people tried to connect with God. Some would go and, uh, over the years go and sit on the top of mountains thinking that that would somehow do it. But let me say this, even if you did climb Everest, you'd be no closer to God up there than you would be down here. People have tried through their own strength and goodness somehow to connect with God over the years. Somehow that trying to be good would, would just break down this chasm or break down this wall between us and God. Now, there's another space man. It was a guy called Yuri Gagarin. I don't know if you've heard of him. So he was the first man ever to go into space. And he's a Russian cosmonaut. And there's a story told that after he went into space, that there was a, a Christian teenager in a secondary school in the Soviet Union. And her teacher knew that she was a Christian and, and believing in God back then in the Soviet Union was a big no-no. And she got totally ridiculed for her faith from this teacher. And the teacher wanted to make the point that Yuri Gagarin, the Soviet cosmonaut, had been into space and didn't see God. So therefore, it just proves that God doesn't exist. And this Christian girl, this 14-year-old Christian girl, said to her teacher, she said, that is nothing to do with it. Because the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they will see God. He had no chance in seeing God, but the pure in heart do. Now, of course, the challenge is none of us are good enough. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. None of us are good enough. We can't be pure enough within our own strength. And Jesus said, even to the religious people in his time, he says in Matthew chapter 23, he says, you are like whitewashed tombs. This was to the religious people, looking beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. Jesus had a way with words, didn't he? Like dead men's bones. I like the story of a vicar who um, decided to paint the wall, the front wall of his manse. And uh, he looked at what paint he got left, this white paint, and um, it looked as if he, didn't, he wasn't going to have enough. So what he thought he could do is just put a, mix in a little bit of water to make it stretch a little bit further to cover the whole front of the wall. So he did the paint the wall, and it looked brilliant. Everybody thought it looked good. I mean, it looked fantastic. They were impressed. He'd done a, such a good job. They'd been up the ladder, done to the top of the house. The problem is that a week later, there was a bit of a thunderstorm. And by the end of the thunderstorm, the wall did not look very good because he'd watered it down. And so because he was a man of faith, he was a, a man of prayer, he prayed out, Lord, what am I supposed to do? And he heard this voice come down from heaven that says, Repaint, don't thin again. <laughs> oh, come on, you got him for free. <laughs> Hopefully that didn't go out on live, didn't it? No, but... See, Jesus said, that even your good works are like filthy rags. Even your good works are, not like, are like filthy rags. Yet on that day, 2,000 years ago, something happens. God takes this incredible step. Jesus himself invades time and space, comes into our world, becomes sin for us. And in Romans 5, verse 6, it says this, You see, at just the right time, why we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And Jesus dies and breaks down this barrier that we could never break down. No amount of human effort could break down. He mends this divide and says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. We can't reach God in our own strength. But we do have to take the step. We do have to take the step. There's one mediator between God and man. There's one person who can bring us together. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. But we still have to take the step. He reaches down so closely. He knocks on the doors of people's hearts but we still have to take that step. And this is what Abby and Stephen have done, symbolized by baptism here today. 
Neil Armstrong, through the step he took, has a great story to tell. I reckon that Stephen and Abby have a greater story to tell because of the step that they have taken and that barrier is broken down. Imagine if Neil Armstrong had not taken that step. It's hard to imagine. I'm sure that in a few years' time, Abby and Stephen will look back and think, Cor, just imagine if I had not taken that step. I often look back and I think, Cor, just imagine if I had not done it. If I'd not become a Christian, just imagine what I would have missed out because it just opens up a whole new dimension of life. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blesses us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's only through Jesus that a whole new dimension to living will open up. You'll always think that there's more. You'll always think that there must be more until that is opened up to you. Now I remember when for me the penny dropped that Jesus makes the difference. And on May the 21st, which was is today, May the 21st, 1978, 45 years ago, I can't believe that. I mean the, the penny drops, the penny, the penny drops. I wasn't brought up to go to church it was a late teen. I started to go to church. Went for about three or four months. And just similar to what Stephen and Abby were saying, just this sense that God is saying, what is real for these people can be real for you. They know me. You can know. You can know me. And that the penny, the penny on that Sunday night, it, it just dropped. And I said to our youth leader, I said, I, I just need to, be, I need to become a Christian. I have a clue what, what, it, what that means. But all that I felt is if God, the Lord Jesus was just, just, not physically, but just next to me saying, come on, what is real for them can be real for you. And it, the penny dropped that through Jesus I could know God. The penny, the penny dropped. And uh, I, I felt very quickly as I sum it up now, just felt, as Stephen said, this overwhelming sense of God's love. Because if God comes into your life, that is what you're going to feel because God is love. I mean, God is love. I felt incredibly clean on the outside and the inside. And this tremendous excitement that there's more to life than this and it was going to happen. You see, when opportunities present themselves, you have to take the step. Often there's still a step that needs to be taken. Because sometimes the opportunity doesn't always feel that it's going to be there. The invitation might not always feel that it's there. So when you have that sense that God is knocking at the door of your life for something, it's important to begin to take that step. There's a verse in the Bible that says, do what you've set in your heart to do. Once you've set it in your heart to do it, particularly in relation to things that God calls us to do, do what you've set in your heart to do. You've still got to do it. Because you might not always feel that it's going to be like that. So for some, you might simply this morning that I, I need to take that step to become a Christian. I've been around Christians for so long. I know that this is real within their lives. I know it's not real within my life. I know God has been encouraging me to take that step. Maybe that's for you this morning. For others, it may be to take the step to be baptized. Maybe you're looking on people getting baptized. You think, oh, maybe I should 
do that. We don't ever people to feel forced to do it. But in uh, Dave Smith in his book, 40 Days with Jesus, which many of us read recently, he says this small quote, he says, Baptism is not only a defining moment for the individual involved, but it's also a great witness to those around, as well as a tremendous cause for rejoicing for the local church. So it's great for the individual. It's a great witness, and we've enjoyed the celebration today, haven't we? Seeing them get baptized. Now, the gospel writers get baptism a very central part to their writings, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They talked about baptism. Even John, Jesus' cousin, he wasn't called John Jesus' cousin. He was called John the Baptist. So he rises up very quickly. Jesus himself gets baptized very early. Great part of the commission, isn't it, to go in all the world, make disciples, baptizing them. And it talks about that. So baptism, in a nutshell, I'm leaving my past behind with all that might hold me back. And I'm stepping into all that God has for me. Let me finish with this illustration and then we'll pray. I remember being once at a large inter-church gathering, a bit like what will be at BCC next Sunday evening. And um, I wasn't leading the meeting, I wasn't involved in the meeting, so it was one of those only occasions when I get to sit at the back. So normally I sit at the front, so I'm kind of a more of a back person, so there you go. Um, But I was sitting at the back, and um, it was good because there's a row right at the back, and then there's a gap before the chairs, and you know, I could kind of worship freely and stuff like that. So we had the worship. During the worship, I had this, I would say, this encounter with God, if I can put it like that. I know it sounds very spiritual, this encounter with God. That's what it sounds like. And as I was worshiping, I had this real kind of sense that God was saying to me, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? And I knew what the Holy Spirit was referring to. I'd been a Christian, I'd been baptized, you know, all that. But I knew at that moment what God was referring to. Because for 18 months, up in the Northeast, we've been thinking of running a cap center, Christians Against Poverty, helping people out of debt, helping people to come to know Jesus, demonstrating the love of God. For 18 months... We investigated it. Some people didn't think it was a good idea because they thought, well, if people get into debt, they're their own fault. But no, we're trying to say, no, it's, we want to show God's compassion. It's not paying people's debts off. Sorry about that. But it is helping people to find a way through debt. Many people become Christians through it. But I knew that it was costly. It would cost us about £20,000 a year, which back then was a lot of money. And we had enough money for 18 months. I didn't know... So we thrashed it out, thrashed it out over 18 months, discussed it to death. And right there during the worship, as if God was saying, are you going to do it? And I knew that the way to demonstrate I was going to do it, we were going to do it, was to take a big step forward where I was. Now, it might not seem significant, And at that moment, my my feet, they they felt as if they were in concrete because I knew that even during that worship, I could have just walked forward at any point, but I knew at that point, if I took this step forward, that was it. It was going to happen. I could not go back. 
that was a deal between me and God. And I'm not saying it's the same for you, but there's times when I just think God's saying, are you going to take the step? Are you going to do it? You can think about it, read about it, but there comes a point, there comes a point where we need to take the step. That could be for anything that God calls us to do. It could be in becoming a Christian. It could be in getting baptized. It could be all of those things. But God, you know, there's times when we just have to mean business and take that step and say, God, I'm going to do it. So I'm not going to invite the band up at the moment. They're going to lose in one last song. But I'm going to pray now, So, or like us to pray now, if we would. So I'm going to invite everybody to, if you want to close your eyes, you don't have to do that, but people find that helpful. Lord, we do thank you for today. Thank you that you're with us. And some of us, we're here uh, week in, week out, and we thank you for the new things that you do within our lives. It is wonderful. We thank you for what we've witnessed today. We thank you for what we've shared today. We do thank you that you've got things for us. Thank you you've got so many new things for us. And we know, Lord, that there's times, you know, we need to step out in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please you. And you call us to step out. And I pray, Lord, for us today and my friends here, brothers and sisters and guests, we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to take any steps that you want us to take. Now, I'd like to pray for you, if, but I'm just going to encourage people to keep their eyes closed for a moment and their heads bowed. Very simply, if you feel this morning and felt recently that God is prompting you to take a step concerning him and what he is calling you to do, I'm going to ask you to do something really brave. While people's heads are bowed and eyes closed, you don't need to come out to the front. I'm just going to encourage you to stand to your feet as a way of saying, God, yes, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. a brave thing and your stomach may be churning over but it's something that God is asking you to do and say yes God I'm going to stand because I know I'm going to take that step why don't you just stand to your feet now as a testimony that you're going to do it Bless you for those who have stood. I'm just going to leave for another 30 seconds um, because you'll know if God is speaking to you. I'm not going to prolong it. I did say 30 seconds. Just leave a few seconds. 
might feel this is a defining moment, saying, God, I am going to do this. Yeah, just one final time. Just leave it a few seconds. Why don't you stand to your feet? Lord, we do thank you that you cause us to take steps to bless us, Lord, to lead us into those new things, to draw closer to you in order to make a difference for you, Lord. And we thank you for those that are making that stand today because they've sensed you speaking to them. And Father, we pray that what you do in their hearts will be life-changing, life-changing, Lord God. Bigger than stepping on the moon because we're stepping forward in you. We're stepping forward with you. And Father, for those of us not stood, we know that we still need to be open for you to lead us into new things. And we thank you for all that we share today, all we witness today. We bless you, Lord. We do commit Stephen and Abby to you afresh, the step that they've taken. Thank you for the new life they have in you. We pray that you'd seal in their hearts everything you've done for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. So those standing, feel free to sit. I'm going to invite uh, the band up. Just one piece of advice for those who did stand. What I'm going to really encourage you to do, because not everybody who's watching, is tell somebody today. Tell somebody today. What you've stood and said, God, I am going to do this. Tell somebody today, if you can, what that is, because that really helps it along. So the band in a moment are going to lead us in one uh, final song. Uh, just to say that I know summer's coming, but if a number of people do want to get be baptised over these next few weeks, then we'll put another baptismal service in in a few weeks. So uh, we'd be delighted to do that if one or two people want to do it. So you can chat with myself or Isaac, Wendy or uh, Emily, then you'll be very welcome to do that. So let's stand together. Uh, been sitting for a little while. Thank you for your patience. The band's going to lead us in one final song as we finish this morning. Thanks, Isaac. Thanks, Phil. The final song we're going to sing is There's Joy in the House of the Lord.